this month we have been studying being an overcomer. Amen. Being an overcomer. And last week we, we talked about faith and how that is so important for being an overcomer. Um, but this week we're going to talk about some other ways we can be an overcomer. The Bible says in Romans twelve twenty one, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So this week we're going to talk about how we can overcome evil with good. You know, faith is part of it, but still there are other things we can have in our arsenal. God has given us many weapons. Amen. Last week, as I said, we we read about how we can use faith to be an overcomer. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe. It's It's not an option. You have to believe. Must believe that he is. That means he exists. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Anyone remember the example I gave of someone who diligently sought him last week? Who did I say were the people who diligently sought him? The wise men. They came from hundreds of miles from from Persia looking for the king that was born. And they came to Jerusalem and still couldn't find him. They didn't give up. In fact, as the story is told when we read it, it says they came to the house. Let's just read it. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, and he sent them to Bethlehem. That means when he, Herod, couldn't find where the baby was supposed to be born, he called the scribes, and they were able to look it up. In the Bible, the exact town where he was supposed to be born because it was prophesied in Malachi. And he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, go and search diligently for the young child. They were diligent. They weren't, they weren't about to give up. They were not going to turn around until they had seen Jesus. You know, I came here today and when I first was coming, I had all kinds of stuff on my mind. And I know that I want to get a touch. I want to leave different. I want to leave different than the way I came. And you know, I'm determined. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be diligent in my worship. I'm going to be diligent in my listening. I'm going to be diligent in thanking God because I want to see Jesus. Amen. The only gift I brought him is my worship and my thanksgiving. Amen. So they came and it says they were diligent. And they came, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, and as I pointed out, it wasn't the manger as we see in the, you know, in the Christmas story. It was maybe up to two years after he was born, they were still searching and still determined that they weren't going to go back. They weren't going to fail before they had seen Jesus, before they had worshipped. I hope you came today with the attitude, you're not going to leave here today before you give what you have come, your burdens to Jesus and you have worshipped. Amen. They saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. When you find Jesus, you're going to have to give him a gift of worship. Amen. They gave him a gift of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Uh, Yesterday morning, I went to a, a minister's meeting and 
And there were lots of stuff said. I mean, just a ton of stuff, good stuff said. I, I, I relied on my wife to take down all the notes because I'm terrible. But one thing stuck out that the minister said to me that I thought was interesting. And I think I told somebody here about what he said. He said, you know, when Jesus went to Capernaum, the Bible says he could not do many mighty works there. And he said it wasn't just a lack of faith. It wasn't just a lack of faith because the next thing Jesus says is a prophet is without honor. Except in his own country. Meaning that when you, when you go somewhere else, you, you might get honor. What the point he was making was this. It wasn't just a lack of faith. It was because they didn't honor him. Think about that. He said, you know why you don't get your miracles? Because you're not honoring him. Think about that. I thought that was quite profound. It's not just faith. But when we come to church, do we honor him? Have you come just because it's Sunday? Or did you come to be an overcomer? Did you come determined like the wise men to not leave till you had given him some gifts? I hope you brought some gifts of praise, some gifts of worship. Amen? Because that's what these men did. They diligently said they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I said, you know, the bumper sticker you see, wise men still seek him. Amen. You know, I would be hopeless without Jesus in my life. Amen. I would be hopeless. Paul says, if in this life alone we had hope, we would be of all men, what? Most miserable. If this was it, man, boy, I could understand why some people just go and jump off of a bridge, right? If this was all there was to life, with all its pain and suffering and disappointments, why go through it? But this is not. This is the birth pangs. This is just the birth pangs. This is not really life. Paul in Romans said, but the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. To wit, waiting for what? The revelation. This is just the birth canal. This is not life yet, but we are holding on to see the redemption and the revelation of the children of God. So this week we're going to talk about how you overcome evil with good. How do you overcome evil with good? Does that mean you turn a fool? Let people walk all over you? No, I'm not saying that. But the Bible says that, you, you know, it's not for us to take vengeance. Who, who does vengeance belong to? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So let's look at that. You know, just a few years ago when ISIS was at their peak, they were kidnapping Christians and fulfilling scripture by cutting off their heads if they would not confess and renounce Christianity and confess Islam. So you have to understand where evil comes from. What is the source of evil? Well, it is, starts with Satan. John 8.44, Jesus tells us the source. He says, ye are of your father, the devil, speaking to the Pharisees, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. In the Old uh, Testament and actually in the New Testament, Christians were beheaded. They were crucified. They were burnt alive. As I said last week, sometimes we think, you know, someone has upset us and we get upset. 
but we really have not suffered. Not really. And I always wonder, Lord, what would I do when I would be confronted with a choice like that? Death or renounce Christ and live? It may come to that. There may come a time when we have to make a choice. Here, these men refused to renounce their Christianity. And I believe 26 of them were lined up and they cut their throat. What is our choices today? Are we going to stick and be diligent in seeking God? Ephesians 6.12 tells us that the evil that we're wrestling against isn't really a person. It's the entities behind that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now I know you've heard this scripture many times. But I'm here to remind you. Because sometimes we, we look at people. And, and if you look at people, you're, you're actually fighting the wrong battle. Jesus looked at Peter. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He saw through who was being used at the time. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. You need to remind yourself, check yourself when something comes into your life to take away your peace. You have to go, wait a minute. Okay, I see this. I see what's going on. I refuse to let you manipulate me, Satan. I refuse to let you take away. Now, the flesh is going to fight. Me first be confess. I, I, I haven't always been able to implement what I'm telling you, but I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Amen. I'm trying. You see, but the devil will be so clever. He, he, he uses the children of disobedience. But Paul here is telling us, for we wrestle really not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What we have got to do, the Bible says, is when you have done all to stand, then stand. Now it may be that you get beaten up. It may be you take some blows. It may be even you give your life. But you know what? God is able to raise you back up. They took Paul and they took him out and they stoned him. And I really believe in my view that he actually died. I really do. Because later on he talked about um, being caught up to the third heaven and seeing things that it was not lost. I really believe he had an out-of-body because they wouldn't have left him if they thought he was alive. They were going to keep stoning him. But it just goes to show when you stand, when you don't give up, God can resurrect even a dead situation, a hopeless situation. So how do we begin to overcome evil with good? These men paid with their lives. They killed all of them. They, after this picture was taken, they, they cut their throat. This was a picture from the event that actually happened. So one source of evil, of course, is Satan. But we can't blame him for everything. The devil made me do it. <laughs> Your Honor, it was the devil. <laughs> He's just one source of evil, you know that? And he may not even be the biggest source. See, the other source of evil is our own flesh. Is our own. James said you get tempted away by your own your own lusts. 
you open that fridge <laughs> and you see that chocolate bar. I heard Brother, Brother Joe talking about temptations, right? And even sometimes when you try, like you said, leave the card at home. Can you have that on credit? <laughs> you know, I go to work sometimes and I deliberately don't take it. I do like you. I don't take anything with me. And that will be the day that someone has brought in a spread. Go ahead. It's all free today. Look at that food. You know, we blame the devil for so much, but a lot of it is us. Our own flesh. Genesis 8, 21. You know, God is so merciful and gracious because when man came out of the ark, God says this statement, the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Noah had offered a burnt offering. And God said, I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. God understood at this point that we had lost control. At this point, he knew that we no longer had dominion. We had given it up. We had given it up. For the imagination of man's heart, that means our thoughts, is evil from his youth. Now, we're talking about how do you overcome evil. So we have two sources of evil. We have Satan for sure. But then we have the, our own flesh, which wants to be, have pleasure all the time. It wants to be satisfied. It wants to lead us where we probably don't want to go. So there are two sources of flesh and, and of, of sin. And Paul in Romans acknowledges that. Romans seven eighteen he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Every time I read this, I'm reminded of the, the gentleman that came in here several years ago and told me he was perfect. <laughs> he was perfect. <laughs> I, was about, I was about to tell him, uh, what John said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. <laughs> and the truth is not within you. <laughs> uh, he obviously misunderstood some scriptures. He is perfect, and we go on to perfection. Isn't that what Paul says? Paul says in Romans 7, For I know that in me dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present within me. Every day I get up, I'm going to lose some weight. To will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I don't do. But the evil which I would not, that I do. So we have two sources of evil is what I'm trying to tell you. And we're going to have to deal with them to be an overcomer. So let's start with, with the flesh since, you know, that's the one that we, we have to own. We can't pass that off. We can't pass that out. I'm laughing because something just came into my mind. I have to, have to, I can't share that with you. So how do we overcome evil with good? Well, obviously, if our flesh is fighting us, the Bible says it wars and is enmity, right? It's an enmity with the Spirit of God. It's an enmity with, with what God wants us to do because we no longer have dominion. So how do we overcome the flesh? Well, it's partly because of his grace. Remember what he said in Genesis? He was going to kind of ignore. He's going to ignore some of our failings and faults. He's going to have to because we are not perfect. If God was to judge sin on his level, there would be no one alive. Because the Bible says our righteousness 
is as filthy rags. That's why it's really kind of funny when you think about people in the Old Testament and people today who think they're righteous. That means they're about two inches closer to God than I am. <laughs> because God's a, mile, a thousand miles away. They may, be, they may be two inches closer. But in the big scheme of things, our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. So we can't overcome evil with our works. Because our works are not pure. Yesterday, I was going to say this, but I'll say this. Yesterday, and Sister Brownie hasn't heard this story, so yesterday I went to the subway to, to buy... Yesterday, and I'm telling this story so that it humbles me, because I want to be humble. So yesterday I went to the subway and I was buying her, her, her a sandwich, because, you know, that's too healthy subway for me. And as I was in there, these two uh, ladies came in. I think they were ladies, older ladies, and one had a, a badge on. So I think it was a caregiver and her charge. And they went up to the counter and they were pulling out all of these pieces of paper. And the owner, I believe it was the owner, said, no, we don't take any coupons. We don't take any coupons. And uh, I I was kind of thinking, maybe they don't have enough money. So I said, okay. I said, I'll pay for everything they're going to (laughs) buy. Now, hold on, don't get too excited. (laughs) I said, I'll I'll pay for everything they're going to buy. So they ordered up Three big, huge subs and everything. <laughs> and I was feeling good. And they, as I was leaving, the lady said she offered me $20. And I said, no, no, no. And as I went out, I was feeling so good. But I had to be careful by thinking, man, I have done something. I've done nothing. I've done nothing. And I wasn't going to tell you that except I'm trying to cure the little flesh that wants to say, look what you did. Because I was feeling so good. I was getting carried away. Man, look what I did. I helped out some people. That's nothing. That's The Bible says that the good works he has prepared for us to do. I didn't do nothing. It cost me almost nothing, really, because I have it. To, it wasn't even much of a sacrifice, right? Now, if it was $1,000, it would have been a sacrifice. <laughs> but, you know, the flesh wants to pat myself on the back and say how good I was. I was not. But I'm grateful that I was able to because I remember the times when I was in need. So... Most of what we do as what we call good works is just God giving us the ability. If he has blessed you, he has blessed you to bless others. Right? And you can't claim it as like, okay, put that check mark in my good book. No, no, no. Because it really, it wasn't even anything. So the thing, the only thing we can ask God to overcome our flesh is to claim The one gift he has given us, which is his grace, unmerited favor. That's how we overcome our flesh, is understand in humility that there's nothing good in me. 
See, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, what does it say? And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient. This was the scripture that God gave me when I had my own little Damascus Road experience uh, in 2004. And it was because I was looking at all the the blessings God had given, given me and I was feeling so ungrateful and unworthy. And Paul here knew, he said he was given a thorn in the flesh because of all the revelations he was being given. So as to keep the flesh down. Sometimes God allows us to have something sticking into us. You know why? So that we can overcome the flesh. You understand that? That he will let something stick into you that are really annoying and hurtful because otherwise you may, hmm, I'm pretty good. (laughs) I'm something. No, I'm not. Without him, I'm nothing. See, so one way to overcome the flesh is God allows things into our lives to keep us grounded, to keep us on the ground, to let us, that's what Paul is saying. He says, and he said, Paul wanted God to remove this thing. Three times he prayed, Lord, take this out of my life. God said, "Mm mm-mm. Paul, because I know you. (laughs) God knows us. God knows. So after the third time Paul got it, he understood that for him to be overcomer, God had allowed this irritant, this needle into his life. Think about that. Have you got anything that's sticking into your life right now? (laughs) I know some of you have. Think about it. It may be that God is using that. It may be God is using that to help you be an overcomer. Now, that's a strange thought, isn't it? But Lord, get rid of this thing. I hate it. I don't want it. Here's what God may be saying. My grace, my unmerited favor, my love, my kindness is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect when you are weak. That's how my strength is manifested in keeping you, in letting you come to me, in letting you pray. Do you see this? Sometimes our flesh will only overcome when we are forced to call upon him. I I said last week in, in 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 the Bible study, God deliberately led them in a desert where there was no food, no water, nothing. The only thing they could do was turn to him. Their dependency was on him. And I told you, that's how God has made my life. He's teaching me. He's teaching me. That thou mayest learn to know that man doth not live. You want to be an overcomer. Lord, let me be an overcomer. Let me be a winner. Okay. Remember now you're asking for for something that comes with that. Jesus asked his disciples, you want to, you want to sit on my left hand? (laughs) You want to sit on my right hand? Are you, are you ready to, to, to share what I'm going through? They said, yes, Lord. What do we say? <laughs> you know, because it's easy to ask for stuff from God. It's easy to ask for victories and miracles and be an overcomer. But are you ready to take what comes with it? My grace is sufficient. Can you say that today for whatever you're going through? God, your unmerited favor. Because because of our flesh, there's many times when, I don't know about you, but I said, Lord, I don't know, Lord. I just like to exit stage left. <laughs> I told you this story, and my wife is leaving, so that's good. I can talk about it. Um, I, 
I remember. I remember when she was going through labor, and I've told you this story before, and it was hard labor, and she just wanted to get up and walk away as if she could leave the labor in the bed. Like if she got up out the bed and walked out the hospital, it would stay right there, and she could come back later and just collect the baby. Wouldn't it be nice if things worked like that? You could just leave the hard part and come back and pick up the baby. But it don't work that way. No. Our flesh, to be an overcomer, has got to go through some things. Amen. Got to go through some things. But here's what God's grace does when we don't make it perfectly. Here's what Romans 8.1 says. See, in 70s, Paul is outlining all the things that's wrong with the flesh and how, how he has to fight. Paul, the apostle, has to fight. And he says, who's going to, it's impossible for my flesh to be perfect. He says, but who is going to deliver me from the body of this death? Romans 8 is his answer. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation. We sang about, take me in your arms. This is the scripture of God taking, he's saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And when it says, who walk not after the flesh, it's speaking about, what are you thinking about? If you're thinking about flesh, you're walking in the flesh. If you're thinking about God, you're walking in the spirit. It's the things that you mind is what it's talking about. If you can be thinking about God, even though you're not perfect, but you're acknowledging him, you're, 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 you're praying to him, you're thanking him, you're worshiping him. This is the key to overcoming the flesh. Amen. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. Now if I go to the places where the flesh is going to be satisfied, if I stand in front of the fridge all day, I'm not going to be thinking too much about God. (laughs) If I put stuff, unholy stuff in front of my face all day and listen to unholy stuff, I won't be thinking much about God. That's not going to help me overcome. That's going to help me fail. We're talking about how do you overcome the flesh? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The fact we came here today, we're hearing a word, we're hearing some encouragement, we're hearing something to motivate us, we're having our thoughts directed upwards, not inwards. If I look at myself, I'd get very discouraged because uh, Satan will bring back stuff 50 years ago. He does. He'll bring back something from 1975. When I messed up. And he'll beat me up with it. He'll say, you see, now look what you did 50 years ago. I have to tell him, listen, look what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Here is Paul's telling you that Jesus is hugging you. He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. See, Jesus already paid for it. You can't charge me double. You know, you can't be charged for the same thing in the court. It's called double jeopardy. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I've told you before in, in, um, I think it's in Romans um, 4, he speaks about the fact that before the law, sin was not imputed. means not that we didn't sin, but God wasn't writing it down. And then in Romans 10, 4, Jesus said, he is the end of the law in righteousness to them that believe. Again, it's not that we're not sinning or not perfect, but he's not writing it down. 
That means I am free. I'm not perfect, but I'm blameless. <laughs> because he says, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation. And I have to keep saying that to Satan when he comes. And I have to make sure that I'm not giving up. I have to make sure that I'm being diligent. That my mind and my thoughts are always trying to be towards him and not looking at me. Because it'd be so easy to say, and this is why I told you that story, not to boast, but to keep me humble. Because I was the flesh was starting to feel good. Got in my car. I didn't take the $20. Look what I did. It was terrible. It was really terrible. It was really sick. And I had to check myself. I had to talk to myself. You did nothing. That didn't cost you nothing. You'd go and waste that on some McDonald's. That was not any sacrifice for you. I had to talk to myself and shut myself up because my flesh was wanting to glory in just something so small. So to overcome the flesh, God has provided some things. He's provided, first of all, an inoculation. He's left some things in there to keep us grounded, to make us know we don't walk on water without him. Unless he said, come, don't jump out your boat. <laughs> you may be in trouble. <laughs> See, Peter was smart. He didn't just jump out the boat. He didn't just jump out the boat. He said, if you tell me, come. A lot of people jump out the boat and then they blame God. <laughs> hey, I jumped out the boat. I didn't tell you, come. You didn't ask me to come. See, so we have to listen to what the Spirit says if we're going to overcome the flesh. You can't necessarily do what I do and I can't do what you do. It's a personal salvation. Jesus didn't tell all the disciples come. He told the one that asked him. Right? He told the one that asked him, bid me to come and Jesus said, come. Amen. Whatever God has said to you, you can do it. Whatever he has said to you, you can do it. Amen. See, in this, in this story in Corinthians, Paul is explaining what he needed to overcome the flesh. And he realized it was nothing but God's grace. And Paul was very clever, or not clever, but he's inspired. He didn't tell us exactly what it is. And the reason is he wanted it to apply to whatever you're going through. He didn't say what the thorn in the flesh was. He just said a thorn in the flesh. Now, many preachers and scholars have speculated, but I, I know that he didn't want to tell us what it was because he goes on to say whether they be infirmities or weaknesses or whatever, I glory in them now so that the power of God can rest upon me. It's when we are weakest and call upon the name of Jesus. That's when we can overcome the flesh. That's when we can overcome what's wanting us to go over here when God said, go this way. Amen. That's how we overcome the flesh with his goodness, not mine. My goodness, my righteousness is just nothing. Amen. <laughs> the Bible says it's a filthy rag. <laughs> It smells. You don't want, you don't, you don't want to, to know it. Amen. Because it's full of pride. That's what that is. So now, what about Satan? How do we overcome that evil? Well, the Bible says that we have spiritual warfare. And many times we don't even recognize it, which is why we lose. We don't realize that it's a, a, a spirit that is against us. And so we're not properly equipped. We're not properly ready for the fight. 
you know, most people, they have this thing called a sucker punch. And, and, and it's when people are not ready and someone just, cause they're not expecting it. And so they're not in a defensive stance. And someone just comes out and punches them. And they're out cold. Why? Because they weren't ready. They weren't expecting it. Now, we should not be in that way with Satan. The Bible says, why do you think it's strange? And yet somehow we always do. I can't believe what happened to me. (laughs) I can't believe what happened to me. Why do you think it's strange? The fiery trials. I've told you so many times, we are on enemy territory. You think the people at the front line facing the Russians are surprised when they hear a shot? In fact, they'd get bothered if it went too quiet. What are they up to? They've been quiet for an hour. You'd get much more work. You want to know where they're shooting from. Then you know they're over there. You stay right there. I can hear you right there, devil. (laughs) Right? But we get so surprised like, man, I went to work and for no reason... My boss got on me and was just out of the blue. It's Satan. It's spiritual warfare. Again, you have to fight and become an overcomer, not with our goodness, but with his, right? Claiming his righteousness. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. When I see some bitter, twisted up people, my flesh might want to get mad, but another part of me just gets sad. They never got a hug. Maybe maybe their bitterness is coming out on you because of the way they were were raised. They maybe never had love. They never had parents who loved them. They never were taught about God's love and God's grace. And when I start to think about them, I told you before how I I deal with with ugly people. I try and think of them as little babies. (laughs) Who hates babies? Little two-year-old, two-day-old. Who who ever hated a two-day-old baby? Maybe just the devil. You know, so that's how I try and picture them. This was once an innocent little helpless baby. Innocent and helpless. Can you hate that person? No. It's a spiritual warfare. It's, the, it's what's gotten into them. So Isaiah says this, I will greatly rejoice. You know why? Because I know better. I have been given the opportunity of salvation. I'm a child of the king. Why should I should be mad at someone who doesn't know better? For he has clothed you with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with a robe of righteousness. So if you look at it and and think about how much blessed you are compared to that person, I don't know about you, but it it, it helps me get through. It helps me be an overcomer. The way we beat Satan spiritually, here it is, James 4, 7. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you don't submit to God, you're not going to be able to resist him. How do we submit to God? How do we submit to God? We humble ourselves. Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to be a servant. The thing to cure pride is to serve others, help others. They have a saying in the workplace, lead from the front. I always like bosses that will do uh, everything they're telling you to do. I don't respect bosses that tell you what to do, but they'll never do it. Right? 
Jesus was a boss that led from the front. He never asked anyone to do anything that he wasn't willing. In fact, he went first. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first. I'm going to show you. You guys will follow me after. Where I'm going, you, you, you don't know, but you're going to know. And then you'll come later. But I'm going to show you how it's done. You see, we have to overcome this world's spiritual wickedness. Not again with ourselves, but through him. Understand that we've been clothed with salvation. What does that mean? Well, in Ephesians, he tells us about the whole armor of God. Amen. If you have that, then some of the things that would get you won't get you. Right? I mean, that's why they tell you to wear a helmet when you go on a bike. Right? That if you fall off, at least your head may not get completely smashed in. Right? You, you wear a helmet. The helmet of sal- If you're wearing the helmet of salvation, Satan won't get to you quite as easy. He may knock you off your bike, but you know, you got the helmet. You may get a few scrapes, but you got the helmet. What does that mean? That's what this scripture said. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to see Jesus. I don't care about, about this little mess, this little stuff that's going, this little drama. I've got something bigger. I've got something bigger to be concerned about. He said, you know, I'm getting married to the king. Listen, if you were, if you were about to get a million dollars tomorrow, you'd all be smiling. If you knew for sure, tomorrow at 9 o'clock, million dollars are going to show up in your bank account. Look, you're already smiling. You're just thinking about it. See, just the thought. Just the thought. See, that just shows you, that just shows you the power of imagination. Just the thought can change your face. Just the thought. And yet... The Bible tells us we have been passed from death unto light. The Bible tells life. The Bible tells us we are seated right now in heavenly places. And the reason why we're not smiling is because we have not reached that level of faith to really appreciate what that means. Because if we did, the little stuff that annoys us, we'd be smiling. I mean, I told you before, I've had some days where I had some really wonderful things happen to me. And you couldn't stop me smiling. When I was 18... I, I, I got awarded, and I may have told you this, I got awarded a free six-week trip, all expenses paid, to Jamaica in my high school, just two of us. Now, when I got heard that news, I was like a cat. You couldn't, couldn't stop me smiling. People could call me names. I'd say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Bless you, my son. <laughs> I wasn't minding them. I wasn't thinking about them. I was thinking, listen, you're going to be back here still miserable. (laughs) I'm going to be taken to some special places where normal people don't go in. Because it was a government-sponsored trip, see. I got to be on the television in Jamaica. I was taken to these mansions with gold and stuff. I wasn't minding this, this idiot here talking to me. You see... The Bible says we have received exceeding great and precious promises. But most of us have left them out. Because if you had something precious and great, you wouldn't leave it out, would you? Now, your money, you don't just leave it around the the front yard just scattered around on the ground, do you? No, you've got that hidden somewhere. The Bible says where your treasure is, 
That's where your heart is. Where is your treasure? See, when I received that news for like two days, I couldn't stop smiling. I really, I couldn't. <laughs> when I was smiling all day, no matter what people said, I was smiling. I was just thinking, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. It, this was like thousands of dollars worth of, of free stuff. God has given us much more than that. And yet most of the time we don't treasure it. That must hurt him. You know, there's nothing worse than give someone a gift that you really took a long time to put together and was precious to you. And they treat it like, you know, next time you see it, they've given it away to someone else. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did. That's what they did. They gave away something precious. But God in his mercy and his grace has given us the opportunity to get it back. How do we overcome all these things? Well, Jesus gave a sermon on the mount and he gave us some tips. We're going to look at at the tips to how to overcome. And he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what it means? In my view, it means someone who is hungering to get more of God. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'm talking about how you overcome, and I call it the B attitudes. Because a lot of time our attitude is all wrong. And Jesus is really giving you an attitude correction here. He's doing some chiropractic for your attitude. He's doing a reset on your back attitude, (laughs) your front attitude, your sciatica attitude here. That's what he's doing. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall what? I learned that about maybe 20 years ago. I used to be very judgmental, you know. Um, And then the Lord showed me, really, is that what you want? Shall I treat you the same way? And once it got to me, I said, Lord, you you just keep forgiving them. Please, just keep forgiving them. Please, God, give them mercy. Because that's what I want. With with whatever judgment you judge, that's how you're going to be judged. We want to be an overcomer. Well, then you're going to need some grace. Do you know that? You're going to, there's going to be a time when you need some mercy. There's going to be a time when you need some grace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. sake. Now, we can be persecuted because we're wrong. That's a different story. But if it's for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They asked... And I don't remember where uh, this was asked, but who is your hero? And I have to say, my father is my hero because I lived with him and I saw his Christianity in action. I saw when people said things about him, how he just not said a word, just, just took it. He could have said lots of stuff. I saw him so many times live out his Christianity. If I'm anything, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Jesus in him, you know. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil. That's a blessing. <laughs> Did you know that? Do you want to be blessed then? All right, keep, keep going. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say about me because I'm blessed and highly favored. What God's got for me, it's only for me. What he's got for you is for you. I can't take it. If you have a ministry, I can't stop it. Amen. I wouldn't dare stop it. Amen. Amen. Whatever God has got for you, he has got for you. 
Amen. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Amen. So let's look at, look, look at how we overcome evil now with good. What are we supposed to do when people say bad things about us? Somebody said it. Let's look what Paul says. Bless them which what? Persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that reap. Be of the same mind one towards another. That means when you hurt, I should be hurting. When you're going through something, I should be there to lift you up. That's what it says. Be of the same mind. We're talking about how we overcome. As a body, that's how we overcome. Mind not high things. Don't be conceited. Don't be puffed up. I hate when people say anything about me because, you know, my flesh is tending to, is already there because of my mother. <laughs> you have to understand my mother. She told me I could do anything and I believed her, which is a bad thing. So I don't need any encouragement. I need, I need to make sure I keep, keep, keep the flesh down. Because she used to tell me you can do anything. And so I just believed her and I just went on from there. If it be possible, and it's a good thing he put this word in there, if it be possible, as much as life in you, as much as is possible, live peaceably with all men. Now sometimes, I think someone said it this morning in his prayer, brother, or maybe it was you said it, sometimes you can't live peaceably because that's a, two, that's a two-person deal. And if the other person refuses to live peaceably, nothing you can do about that. But if it be possible... Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. Avenge not yourself. I think this one's also for me because I, I, I might look harmless. <laughs> but I know that in here was a very vengeful person. You, you, you do me something, it may be yours, but it's coming back. <laughs> Watch out. Watch out. I haven't forgotten. You know, that just shows how much God can change you, how much God can change you. We're talking about overcoming our flesh, overcoming Satan. And these are some of the things that we have to deal with, our flesh, because, you know, some of us would be like, you know, you scratch my back, I rip your eyes out. You know, we, 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 we are vengeful. Uh, vengeance is my, I will repay, say the Lord. <laughs> Amen. You know what the Bible tells us? We're supposed to feed our enemies. We're supposed to feed. I'm talking about how you overcome evil with good. Therefore, if thine enemies hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Here is how you overcome. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. His good. Amen? His good. Let's look at a practical example. I've been talking too much about me, but I don't want to talk about you. <laughs> Let's look at this. How you overcome. See, before God really gave David the kingship, he put him through some tests. He put him through some tests. It was actually a few years of tests. He was probably 17 when Samuel anointed him. And he was over 30 when he actually became king. In between that time, he had some hardships. Here's one. 
1 Samuel 24, 1. And it came to pass that when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness. I told you God will take you to, through some wilderness, some desert. But Lord, you've made me king and, and I'm having to hide out in some cave. When is this king stuff going to happen? <laughs> when is the blessing going to happen? When is all the promises? Lord, look, I'm running from Saul. I'm hiding out in the desert. See, God is t- testing you. The scripture says, when you have tried me, I will come out as pure gold. So Saul finds out where David is hiding And he takes 3,000 men. He takes a whole army, chosen men out of Israel, and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went into into the cave to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in this. They happened to go into the same cave where further back, way down, David was in there hiding. So in other words, he was trapped. But God made Saul fall asleep. He wants to see what David was going to do. Because he could have killed him. But this is what I'm talking about. Overcoming evil. Because for the time being. And let me read the story. I'll get back to what I'm about. First Samuel 24. And the men of David said unto him. Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee. Behold I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand. This is it. Look what's happened. We're in the same cave. He don't even know we're here. And he's asleep. See it was a setup. Because David could have tried to get the kingdom before God was really ready for him to get the kingdom. I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand and thou mayest do to him as it seemed good unto thee. But David didn't want to do that. All he did was he cut off the hem of his garment. Now, there's a reason why I cut off the hem of his garment. In those days, like today in the military, the the sign of a rank is usually on the sleeve or on the shoulders. But in those days, the sign of rank was on the hems of the garments. So what he was showing when he cut off the hem was he was taking away his rank. But he could have taken his life. And said unto his man, the Lord forbid that I should do this. Thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went his way. You understand, this is how you overcome evil. Because his flesh could have said, you know what? He's been trying to kill me. I am fully justified in taking his life. Right? Who's going to argue against that? But again, what does Proverbs twenty-five twenty-one says? If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread. And if he be thirsty, give him water. For, the, for so shalt thou heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. Verse 8, And David also rose afterwards and went out the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked upon him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed. He bowed down back to, 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 to Saul. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt? Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord delivered thee into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee, but mine eyes spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. That's one thing you need, you know, you need to know, right? When God sets someone up, don't you go mess with them. He, it's his job, God's job. Moreover, my father, see... Yea, see the skirt of thy robe is in my hand. You see, David had an opportunity to kill him and he didn't. 
This is how we overcome evil, but with good. And said, so when he saw this, at least for a temporary uh, time, Saul's heart was changed. And he said to David, thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou showed me this day how that thou hast dwelt, dealt with me, for as much as when thou, Lord, delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go and well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good, for thou hast done unto me this day. And for a while after that, Saul left him alone. Saul left him alone. This is an example of how you overcome evil with good. My father used to say to me, love will win love. He meant by that you just keep showing love to somebody. Eventually, eventually something will get through and they'll say, you know, this person isn't my enemy. All they've done is keep loving on me, even though I've been trying to kill them. This is how you overcome evil with God. good. The Bible says here this, Ye are of God, little children. This is what John says. And have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's what we are to do is understand that if Jesus is in us, we can overcome what the devil is trying to do with us. Now, I'm, I'm almost finished. Almost finished. There are some promises to an overcomer. I read some of them last week. I want to go over them very quickly again. In Revelation, it's, it's interesting that he made this point to the seven churches. He said, he that over, overcometh. This means there is going to be something for you to get through. It's not going to be just walk on in. You are going to have to be an overcomer. It's not a choice. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. The first gift that you get back if you can... Uh, be an overcomer is you get eternal life. You get to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. That means you, you get the eternal life. You don't get cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 2, 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the hidden manner. Yes, you may have gone through a desert. Yes, you have gone through a dry spell. But you get to eat of that bread of life. I told you last week, you get the stone that represents all the colors that was in the high priest's ephod. That means you become a king and a priest. Amen. Revelation 2.26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. In, uh, I think it's John, he speaks about that you're going to sit down on thrones. Amen. Thrones. You get to rule and reign. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father. Revelation 3.12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. If you could stand with me. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of my city, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. Think about that. Think about that. Even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors. Romans 8.37 
Nay, in all these things, what things? The things that you're dealing with right now. The troubles, the trials, the fights, the fears, the loss, the lack. Nay, in all these things, we are more, say more, more. than conquerors through him that loved us. Here's Paul's statement of faith. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that awesome? We are more than conquerors. God gave us some great and exceeding precious promises how we can be overcomers, overcoming evil, not with evil, but with good. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Help it to find good soil. Help us to be an overcomer. Help us even to take the things that are in our life, Lord God. Oh God, to be the the, 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 the starting point, the, the motivation to call upon your name, Lord God, that your power may rest upon us even more. Lord, that in our weakness, Lord God, your strength and power and your grace is made manifest. Lord, we lift up your name today. Lord, we ask you to touch us Lord God, that we will leave different than the way we came, that our faith will increase, that our, our, our faith and trust in you will rise. Hallelujah, Lord God, until you're coming, that we will be made overcomers and more than conquerors. We thank you today and give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering. Hallelujah.